Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let's stand to our feet. Hold your Bibles up high. Cup your hand for those of you who are new. Just flow with it. It's all good. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, Welcome to all of you who are here for the first time, and welcome to all of you who dare come back every week. Uh, Life is a wonderful thing to live. Uh, It doesn't often come served on a platter that way. It's how we cook it that makes it worth it. And so uh, we get to to make it what we want it. I know that things happen, adversity comes our way, difficulties. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, but... The just drown, and we just take a shower. And so uh, it's a wonderful thing when we can get grateful and find reasons to be grateful because we don't need any help finding reasons to be ungrateful. You go to the gas pump, instead of saying, oh, my, look at that price, look and say, yeah, thank you, Lord, we got fuel. And uh, thank you, God, that you're altering our wonderings because we're not going to fill the tank. But, you know, you, I hear people all the time talking about the grocery store prices and all these things, and, and they're there. I mean, I don't like them, and I think they ought to be adjusted. But all the whining and complaining in the world is not going to change the price. And so you need to say, God, I thank you. I'm getting a raise. And nobody's had a raise in a long time. God, thank you that you're providing for my needs. Thank you, God, that I have enough today. Um, you know, it's, it, we can get caught in that trap and, uh, and of not being grateful for what we do have and because we think, uh, thinking about the things we want to have, maybe the things we ought to have that we don't have. So I'm going to talk about gratitude today. This will be the final sermon. Then next week I'll start a series called Look and See. Uh, but today I want to finish with gratitude because in my nature, I've told you this throughout this series uh, and, and maybe some of you are very sweet people, and I'm, I'm grateful for you. I really am. And then there are those of us that were born AAA, and uh, we're going to burn the batteries, man. We're going, you know, we're going after it. And and I think sometimes my personality type gratitude is lost in 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 the drivenness, in the the work ethic, and the and so you know I like grateful people. I love being around grateful people, and I'm grateful for grateful people. And so if you're a grateful person and you feel like everybody's always running over you, let me say this to you. You're the winner in this. You may feel like people are running over you, but let me tell you, God's in your corner because you're a grateful person. And so I just share that with you. Uh, And and again, let me just go back. And I believe it's important. The Bible is so uh, filled with promises. But uh, repetition is the mother of learning. And so the reason we read the Bible and we we memorize Scripture or we read Scripture is to keep reminding us about God, who He is, and what He's told us. Uh, Growing up in a church where they didn't talk about the promises of God, they talked about the wrath of God. 
And they talked about how bad things were in the world and how bad hell was going to be and all those things uh, that I didn't ever get to the place where I saw the good things of God or heard about the good things of God, the plans he has for me, uh, you know, to give me a hope and a future and that he was for me, not against me. Uh, I grew up, uh, God was obviously a baseball player because he was coming back to beat us with a Louisville slugger. And uh, so I grew up with that. So when I began to hear about the promises of God, uh, it began to change my life. And I shared this a few weeks ago. So how do I walk through this? Number one, be aware that there are promises and be aware of the promises you need. Uh, If you're going through a difficult time financially, you can say, God, I thank you that you have promised to meet every need I have according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's a promise. And, and now, obviously, we have a role to play. Some people think God is a magician or a butler. He's not. Uh, you know, he, he, if, if you're going to pray that prayer, say, God, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a tither. And then you promised me if I would do that, you would open the windows of heaven. You'd pour out a blessing that I would not have room enough to contain it all. You promised that, and I thank you for that. And right now, you don't have two dimes to rub together, but you got a God who has more than that. And, and you get grateful ahead of time. Why? Not because of what you have, but what he's promised you can have. And so you say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling well. You know, there are people who always talk about it, and, I, and I'm going to say this carefully because I want you to understand, I went to a school that believed in prayer and medicine. I believe in those, but, but here's the reality. You, you don't ever say, if some doctor says you have cancer, say, no, no, I don't have cancer, and cancer doesn't have me. Uh, my, by his stripes, I was healed. I'm walking in healing. I'm living a life healed. Now, man, I would have had you, two years into being a Christian, I was just glad I was saved. But now I have a responsibility to be aware of the promises of God. And then when you do, declare the promises of God. You know, Jesus said when you, you come to the mountain, he says, speak to the mountain and say, be moved from here to there. He didn't say meditate at it or stare at it, stare it down. He said, I want you to talk to it. And so if you're going through something, don't call yourself stupid. Say, I have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul said. And I hear people say, I'm so dumb. I can't believe I did that. Well, I can't believe you did it either, but you're not dumb. You have the mind of Christ. You you have the capacity to walk in the promises of God. And and then when you say, well, you know, I've just been depressed. Say, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And in his presence is fullness of joy. God, thank you that I'm going to be in your presence. I'm going to experience your joy. Now, we all get in a funk every now and then, but you don't have to live in a funk and you shouldn't stay in a funk. We have to rise above that. And the promises of God uh, equip us to rise above that. He's able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. So we have those promises, and God, thank you for that promise. And uh, because things aren't always the way we want them in the moment. We have difficult times and you know, we just have to, we have to rise above those by being aware that we can, declaring that we can, and sharing that we can. People want to be around people that believe that we can get on the other side of something. You know, if, if, you know, uh, if you're going through a struggle, you know, I, I used to fly a lot and, and still fly a lot, and I've had to realize there are some good times and bad times on those, and You know, there are people who fly once a year and you hit turbulence and they think it's going down. Then my comeback is, well, if it does, at least we'll get there fast. 
I mean, there's a way to spin everything positive. You know what I'm saying? This is not going to hurt because it's going to be over quick. And, uh, you know, but I usually say to people, I had one time I was flying from here to Alabama, which uh, Texas people are real happy right now. And, um, and those of you who are not into sports go, what's he talking about? Anyway, so I was flying to Alabama, and, and I'm, I'm on a, uh, just a, a small plane. I mean, it was an American Airlines plane, and I'm, I'm sitting next to, to the window, and all of a sudden a whole panel falls into my lap. And, and flight attendant, I, I didn't panic, flight attendant came, he saw, saw it, and I said, do we need this? <laughs> I'm just curious, because it's in my lap right now. And, and, and across the aisle was a husband and wife, and, the, and he's against the window asleep. She said, please don't say anything. <laughs> my husband's scared to death to fly. He said, okay. <laughs> and, and so what I've learned in times of crisis or a difficulty or fear will drive us to the problem. Gratitude will drive us to God. God, I am so thankful this fell in my lap and not her husband's or we'd have been in trouble. And, and there's always a reason to be grateful. The good times, the bad times. You know, for when I was going through school and, and studying, you know, the Bible and getting degree in theology and psychology enough to mess anybody up, uh, we, you know, Judas was a real interest to me when I first got born again because Judas is probably the most vilified, one of the worst Bible characters that, that religious people talk about. They, they've made Judas out to be just this evil guy. And if one day Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus and, and he got him killed. And, and I'm thinking, I'm the opposite. I thank God for Judas. Now, <laughs> you're really confused. You're like a cow at a new gate. Have we ever been here before? And so, well, the reason I say that is think about it this way. How were we going to get Christ to the cross? How, how was he going to get there? Who, who was going to help the process? Had it not been for Judas betraying him, I would probably be going to hell today. Because he wouldn't have died on the cross or he would have had to find some other Judas. And, and so I'm not saying what Judas did was right, but was that Judas' role to play? And then he was so regretful, he tried to give the money back, and he hung himself, which creates a, another whole situation for religious people because I grew up believing if somebody took their life, they automatically went to hell. I grew up believing. That's what I heard. But you know what I found? There was nothing in the Bible to verify that. I'm really skating on really thin ice right now. No, the reason I'm saying this is because, because we, we create these dogmatic opinions and ideas of things rather than saying, why did that happen that way? Why, why did it happen that way? Well, Judas had to be the son of perdition that would take uh, the, the, the money, betray Christ, get him on the cross, and, and, and then he goes and takes his life. And then you go, well, isn't that wrong? Well, you know, I don't believe we ought to cut our life short. I'm not advocating suicide, nothing like that. But what I am saying is this. I've done more funerals than I would count, like to count, and some of them involved that. One of them was my very good friend. And people say, well, you know, would, but, but he, all, he took his own life, and his life belonged to God, and we belonged to I get all that. But then I said, let me ask you this. What about the person who eats at KFC five days a week for about 30 years? And their cholesterol is blowing their heart up. It's what I call gradual suicide. 
I'm picking a fight. What I'm saying is that you will have, you will have Judas's. I, I've, I've got a car that I have now nicknamed Judas. It betrays me regularly. It's got a component that needs to be replaced. It's $3,000. I don't want to pay that. So I went and bought this device that, that you can start it 40 times, jump it 40 times. So if you ever see me under the hood, don't, don't even pray for me. I, I got a jump starter. Judas will not beat me. Judas is actually helping me be thankful that I have a car. Think about it. I at least have a car to fix. You say, well, that's just silly. No, it's not silly because I got to keep a good attitude every time it doesn't start. And, 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 and so I decided, I, said, I told Susan, I said, I'm keeping it. This is going to help me become a better Christian. I'm going to be grateful for whatever's going on because I'm going to get stronger and rise above it. So if you're complaining about your spouse, go up and say, I'm so thankful for you. You're making me a better Christian, you obnoxious individual. I'm just, no, don't say that. I'm growing because of you. I'm, I'm so grateful that God put you in my life. And then the, we all say, I want to be like Jesus. No, you don't. Being like Jesus is like almost unach it's unachievable. Love unconditionally? Try that for 24-7, 365. That's what God said, I want to love like Jesus. Really? That may cost you your life. So whenever we find ourselves in difficult situations, in crises, and, and somebody's not being good to us, what we have to do to rise above that difficulty is to be grateful. God, thank you. You trust me so much that you believe I'm bigger than the problem I'm facing. That I can overcome this. That I can be bigger. I can be better. Or I wouldn't be facing it. God's not tormenting you. God is not tempting you. People say, yeah, he's not. there's a difference in a test and a temptation. Oftentimes we go through tests and God says, you know what? You got a B, but I believe there's an A plus in there somewhere. You're going to get better. You're going to know better if you stay grateful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, says, don't worry about anything. Now, in the original language, that means this. Don't worry about anything. That's what the Greek says. And the English, and the Spanish, and the French. Don't worry about anything. Now, you say, well, uh, that's difficult, is it not? I mean, that's, that's a fight. To not worry. It's a, it's a battle that we all face. And so what I've had to do it, it, when I catch myself worrying is, God, I thank you. You've already solved this problem. I thank you that you died and rose from the dead for what I'm facing right now. And that you are working in me. You're able to do more than all I can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in me. And instead of always expecting God to do something miraculously in a moment, though I believe in miracles, the great miracle is that you and I are going to do our part, not just beg God to do His part. I choose not to worry. You can ask God to take worry away from you, but I don't think it will happen. 
I think you have to choose to make it happen. You ask God to remove the problem. No, quit asking him to remove the problem. Say, God, if this problem exists, I'm still going to be bigger and better and overcome it. I many, I've told this story many years, and it's one I'll never forget, flying home from India. Uh, me and two other pastors had done a conference in India, and, and the, the turbulence was so bad. People had barf bags. They, I mean, it was bad. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm rebuking this thing. I'm like, you know, I'm, I was going to every scripture I could think of, peace be still. Then I went, God, you said if I declare this, whatever I say, declare on earth, in heaven, it'll be done. And then the devil comes and says, you're not on earth and you're not in heaven. You're in between. <laughs> I was coming up with every scripture. And finally, after me quoting the scripture, I thought I was being a giant man of God. And I hear this internal voice in me says, quit asking me. To stop the turbulence and ask me to increase your faith. See, put it back on me because that's all he's saying is I want you to believe that I got this. As a matter of fact, see this as a... uh, uh, The fair is coming. (laughs) Anybody who's ever heard me preach knows I hate the fair. It's not fair. Get bigger than the problem. Rise above the problem. Don't talk about the problem. I was addressing the problem instead of saying, God, you know, remember what Jesus did. I mean, the disciples are freaking out. Storm hits. Jesus is in the bottom of the boat. Let me help you with something. The last place you want to be on a boat in a storm is down in the bottom. Trust me, I had a friend. I went deep sea fishing one time, and, and we were on this boat. This pretty big boat a friend of mine owned, and we were out, and... And David was the kind of guy that always thought he could overcome anything. And he, we're, we're about 50 miles off uh, uh, the Gulf, and, and it got a little rough. And David goes down below, and we all looked at each other and went, he'll be back up soon. He was, and everything in him was back up soon. And so Jesus is not like freaking out saying, God, look, I'm having a hard time with these knucklehead disciples. They're having a hard time believing. It's hard enough. I don't need them to experience a storm. This is tough enough. Instead, Jesus just goes down. He's asleep. Now think about this. Who drew the short straw to go tell Jesus to wake up? That's not one I want. Hey, 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 Jesus. (laughs) But we have to realize that there are going to be moments in time, and I don't like them any more than you, that we're going to face difficult decisions, opposition, criticism, adversity. And sometimes we see those people causing the adversity and the difficulty as our enemy. But let me tell you, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. The person giving you a hard time is not the one behind the hard time. They're the vessel being used in that hard time or to create the hard time. And, and instead of cursing them, we can be thankful. I don't know if anybody's ever pointed out a flaw to you in your life. If you're married, I know they have. 
But rather than getting mad, say thank you for that observation. You may agree. I'm not saying you go, I agree with you. Just thank you for that observation. It's going to help me check that. I had a problem with a friend one time, and, and uh, I was on a board of a, a national conference committee, and, and there was one guy on the board I just didn't like, and he was a pastor. Isn't that beautiful that one pastor doesn't like another? Real Christianity at work here. And, and so I was having a hard time in myself with this guy, and the guy had really done nothing to me. I just didn't like him. I'm just being honest. I didn't like him. So I was telling one of my other pastor friends that I didn't like him. Because I thought he would go with me. And he had this very gentle, polite response. But it pierced me. And, and I'm thankful it was so kind. But I never forgot it. Haven't forgot it to this day. And listen to what happened. Over time, not only did I never talk about him again. The Holy Spirit put him on my heart. And I would call him. And on one particular occasion, the Holy Spirit was so strong in me that I, I was to call him. And I called. I couldn't reach him. So I called his wife. He was pastoring in Tennessee. And I called his wife. And I said, where's so-and-so? And she said, well, I can't believe you're calling. He's being rehabilitated in an institution in Florida. So I called him. And uh, she gave me another number. I called him. And, and I just... I just encouraged him spoke words of encouragement over him and just loved on him and it wasn't but a few years later that that he ended up leaving this world and his daughter who i've never met her evidently was told about it and she messaged me she didn't have my number so she just messaged me and said i want to thank you for calling my dad when he was still alive you were the only one that called him he was going through a tough time and this is the guy that i didn't like initially but because I had a good enough friend that confronted me that I could have, a Judas, if you will, I was so thankful he did that because we had things right before he went on to heaven. You see, you never know what's going on in another person's life that's causing you trouble. Usually people causing you trouble are people in trouble. People who hate you are people who hate themselves. So you can't look at them and go, they're the problem in my life. They're not the problem in your life. They may be the one in your life taking you to a new level if you will look at the situation correctly. You do realize that airplanes take off against the wind, not with the wind. That's what gives them their lift. What gives us oftentimes gives us our lift in life is the resistance we face or a truth that we face that will hold us down and keep us grounded instead of taking us to higher heights, all because of how we view it. Jesus never hated on Judas. He never hated on those responsible for nailing him to the cross. His response was a response of gratitude for where he was headed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you say, but that's just ridiculous. They knew everything. They had testimony. They saw miracles. They saw all of these great things happening as a result of Jesus being there. How could they not know? Because that's typically our response. How could you not know who I am? And sometimes they're just simply on assignment to help you get stronger. 
Every time I go to the gym, it hurts. Every time. And it's not because of my age. Don't look at me like that. But I go there for the purpose of keeping myself strong and strengthened. Yeah, it hurts. But in the midst of that pain, there's growth. And we live in a society that doesn't want to experience any pain. We, we, and I'm not, I don't want to. But there are certain pains that are redemptive and that take you to new levels. The pain of losing a friend. The pain of losing a loved one. When I lost my father, I was in great pain. But that pain drove me to say, God, thank you for a daddy who loved me and provided for me. Who was there for me. It elevated my gratitude. I miss him. I'll miss him the rest of my life. But every time I think about him now, it elevates me because he was the guy that challenged me. Trust me. When he said, hey, then this is how dumb kids are. I'm going to spank you. Go get a switch. I went and got my own weapon. Go get the belt. Now, I know you can't do that anymore. Because we're raising a bunch of little angels who just need to be encouraged not to be stupid. No, let me tell you something. The buttocks is connected to the brain. And the pain reminds you when you're about to get stupid, it hurt to be stupid. That's the reason we have a dwarfed society is because we're no longer using the adversity, the chaos, the difficulty to realize that God believes so much in us that we can grow above that crisis, that difficulty, and that adversity. Pray about everything. I, I used to be very religious. I, I figured the only time that God was going to take my call was at 6 a.m. It's called early morning prayer. And we took that from Scripture that Jesus got up very early in the morning before it was light. And here we are trying to be like Jesus again. I mean, he never sleeps or slumbers. He can stay awake all the time. I can't. And so I, the only time I thought Jesus would hear me because I thought if I'm a good Christian, I'm going to pray from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And matter of fact, there was a time the church I was on staff at, we would have to be there at 6. So I would get up at 5 and get ready and go at 6. And, and, and the rest of my day was shot. I was exhausted because I was trying to be like Jesus and pray for only one hour. But then I, went, I found a scripture that says pray without ceasing, which liberated me from that early morning. <laughs> I thought I can pray any time of day. God is awake. It says pray about everything. That means everything. It means like whatever you're going through, little, small, big, doesn't matter. Pray about everything. I mean, and God's not mad at you. As a matter of fact, God loves a conversation. He loves it when we talk to Him. And I can come to God, and it's really pretty easy in the morning to be grateful because you've slept. You haven't done anything stupid in six to eight hours. But the first thing that happens is the devil is awake too. And when you wake up in the morning, he reminds you very quickly of your agenda and all the things that you need to do today. And, and they're not typically good things. So the minute you wake up and open your eyes, thank you, Jesus, for another day. 
Thank you, Lord, for another day. But I got to go to the dentist. I got a speeding ticket. I got to go to court. I got to go. Lord, thank you that I have a car and I did, I, I'm good. Thank you that I was going to my car will go over the speed limit. Thank you, Lord. That that clunker doesn't just go 30. I can go 80, 90, 120. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. These are just, if you want to know, this is a simple way to communicate with God. Then you will experience God's peace. So some people say, well, life's chaos. I don't have any peace in my life. I don't have any joy in my life. We have the promise of both. He said, I'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on me because they trust in me. So, God, I declare your word, and I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful that I can live a life of peace in a world of chaos. We have a lot of people that are depressed, a lot of people are struggling and with the state of the economy, the state of our world, and immigration, and, and, and laws that are just so bizarre. We never thought we'd see them in a lifetime. And it's very easy to get caught in the trap of focusing on that, go, what's our world coming to? I, I can answer that very simple. It's coming to an end. Uh, so... Now, maybe not in our lifetime, but, but the reality, and I can laugh about that now. There would have been time I would have freaked out, but I'm thinking, who cares? I mean, every day is a gift from God. Every day. The worst day I might have is a gift from God giving me the opportunity to reflect His glory and put my faith in Him so that other people don't lose hope. If you're a Christian, we are responsible to help a world not lose hope. When things are really, really tough, you can look and they say, why are you so happy? Because I mean, I was on one flight out of Pittsburgh, I told you a couple of weeks ago, and a guy, it was bad. The pilot comes on and said, we're, the, we're fortunate we're the last flight they let go. And about 10 minutes into the flight, I said, no, we should not be thankful. But then the guy next to me was in distress. I thought he was going to throw up. I didn't want him to throw up on me, so I was a little selfish. He was panicked. I said, hey, don't worry about it. He said, why? I said, because this flight ain't going down. I'm on here. It took a lot of guts to say that because I'm feeling what he's feeling. I'm right next to him. But I thought, I'm not doing any good suggesting that it will. Yeah, I've got flight stories. People quit flying with me years ago. It's like every opportunity in the world, you know, to, 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 to get afraid. And, and, and I've had to address those fears. You have to address those fears and go, you know what? You can't scare a Christian with heaven. I mean, if you're really working it for God, and, and you know, it's, it's like one of those things, just, just say, God, I'm just so grateful for the day that I have, the opportunities I have to overcome the problems I have. It goes on to say, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's very important that we guard our hearts above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. And the Bible also says that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So whatever it is you're thinking, thank God that you don't have to think that. God, I don't have to think that way. I don't have to live that way. It's so easy to get caught in the trap of thinking that God owes us anything. Because he doesn't owe us anything. But he's given us everything. And gratitude puts that 
those two thoughts in perspective. I'm grateful you didn't have to, God, but you did anyway. Thank you for giving me the power and the strength. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So guess what? Many people praise God in the good times. Oh, man, everything's going great. Praise you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden in the dark times, somehow we're convinced that we're not worthy to praise him. I don't want to praise him because sometimes we don't. But in those times that you, you really are struggling, those are the greatest times to give thanks to God, saying, God, thank you. Never forget it, when I was uh, about 20 years old, I wasn't born again. I was on the cusp. But I had, uh, I had I've shared this story with you guys. My arms would go numb driving down the road. I, I, I Both arms and hands, I couldn't feel. And I, how many of you think, well, it's probably a good idea to get that checked out? I thought it was a good idea until I got the report. And that was when the doctor said, you have calcium deposits on your spine that are inhibiting and preventing blood flow to your arms. And I said, well, tell me exactly in layman's terms what that means. He said, well, we're going to cut on your neck through the front. We're going to scrape the calcium off your spine. I thought, man, that's not a surgery I really think I'd want to do. So I get born again. This is still happening. And I start hearing things about God. And I started, I, I, did, I just didn't know God very well. And, but God knew me extremely well. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and so in today's world, I identify as smart, beautiful, intelligent. It's my badge. Thin ice. And so I'm praying to God, because wouldn't, wouldn't you pray if you had what I had? God, I'm really not excited about a knife in my neck. And I hear this in my heart, because I was a new Christian, man. I didn't even want Christians to call me Brother Mark. I just thought that was weird. And I went to one of those old-fashioned churches. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. I'm thinking, I don't know you, and you're not my brother, and I'm going to knock you out. I just thought it was weird. I didn't, I didn't buy into the whole Christian culture. You know, I just thought it was kind of weird, but I didn't want to go to hell, so I thought I'd stay. And so in that time frame, I began really pressing into God. And in my heart, I, I felt these words, if you will praise me, if you'll be thankful to me, if you'll lift your hands to me, you'll never have to have surgery. And, and I really thought that was weird, too, because anybody lifting their hands, I thought, you know, that, that was just kind of weird. You know, I mean, it, it just was. And some of you say, I still think it is. But <laughs> I, so I would go to church, and I was by myself. I, I was just a young guy, not married. I'd go to church, and, and uh, at that time, everybody thought I was strange anyway because I had Peter Frampton hair. And if you're old enough to remember Peter Frampton, right on. And so... And so I actually had hair. It was, I think it was all the perms is the reason I don't have hair today because I like curly hair. And I was just one of those guys thought, I'm going to curl it. I'm man enough to say it today. And so, so I, I would go to church and I would, during the song service, that's what they called it back then, song service. And I would do this. I, that way nobody behind me could really see. You know what I'm saying? I was kind of blocked. It was like the Lord nudged me and go, a little more. 
little more. And I went, okay, God, you're pressing it now. And I was like, God, God and I have a unique relationship. So how do you like a knife, Mark? What do you think about that neck knife thing? Hmm? So finally got my attention, and I finally thought, okay, Brother Mark is getting ready to raise his hands. And I just know everybody's looking at me. That's what we feel like in church. I mean, like, especially if you're a real bad sinner, you think everybody knows your sin. You walk in automatically, they know that last night. (laughs) I'm not coming back next week. These people know everything about me. No, we don't, but we'd be interested in hearing. Anyway, so... So finally, I, I started lifting my hands. And I got to tell you, I wasn't even smart enough to even think about it. Over time, I went, my arms are not losing their feeling anymore. And guess what? My wife has a scar. I don't. Now, that really wasn't nice. But she's doing great. I'm, I'm sharing that with you to let you know. She's really overcoming. But she told me, she said, man, this hurts so bad. I don't know if I'd do it again. I went, thank God. Because back then, who knows, I might not have survived it. That was when technology, that was like Fred Flintstone days. And so what I'm saying is, even in the midst of that, what I learned was, yeah, things happen, but I don't have to let them keep happening. I don't have to bow to them. I can be thankful to God. And this is what I would say to you. If you really want to get out of the dilemma or the crisis you're in, get up and praise God. And every time that crisis begins to remind you how stupid you are, how stupid you were, what you did, every time say, God, I thank you that I have the mind of Christ and I take those thoughts captive and I make them obedient to Christ so that I can obey you and not obey my emotions and my fleshly desires to walk out. I quit, which is what I wanted to do about nine years. I just want to quit. I'm okay, God. I'm good. And he reminded me, be grateful for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. Now, human beings will imprison you. They won't imprison a thought. They'll incarcerate you. When in reality, I love the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So before you start throwing rocks, remember you live in a glass house. And when they come back, they break. And this is the beauty to me of Christianity is, is rather than pitting ourselves against somebody else, be thankful for the somebody else that's causing you to even have that thought. And the minute you start being grateful, God will start moving on your behalf. You will find peace. You will find joy. You will find life. And people will think you're crazy for being grateful in, a, in the worst time of your life. But the minute you start being grateful, it'll take your mind off of all the losses and the crises that you're going through. And it will remind you as greater as God who's in me than everything that's going on in the world around me. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer in this life. Not the next one. I'm an overcomer now. I'm more than a conqueror now. Nothing is too difficult for my God. And if God is in me, that means nothing's too difficult for me because God's in me. 
We have wine parties, not wine. We have wine parties. You're drinking the wine. You're intoxicated with the negativity. And you've got to get optimistic and positive no matter what happens. I'm going to get on the other side. I'm grateful that God has already paved the way. I'm going from glory to glory. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter till the full light of day. I know the plans He has for me, declares the Lord's plans to prosper me. Get a little more dignified. Promises are for everyone. And they're not for you because you're good. They're good for you because God is good. And once we align our words and our lives with His word and His life, we will see the promises come to fruition. And you can argue and you can look. And some people are always looking for the... the you know, we, we, every now and then we have a light that comes out, goes out in here, a bulb that goes out. And guess what? The first thing that happens is we got a bulb out. I look up and say, we got 30 that aren't. <laughs> Praise God for the 30 that are burning. And you say, well, that's just dumb. No, no, it's not dumb. I, I mean, I, yeah, we'd like to put a new bulb in, but I'm grateful that we have light. Let there be light. <laughs> I think we have one projector bulb that's out today. Thank God we have a projector that doesn't have a bulb working. Because now all we have to do is put a bulb in, not buy a projector. I think. <laughs> I'm no technician, but I have optimism. <laughs> that believe a bulb is going to fix the problem. Stay strong in your faith. Be grateful. Give thanks in all things. Give thanks in all things. God, I know that what the devil meant for harm, you're going to turn for good. If the thief's caught stealing, he has to pay back seven times. God, I just thank you that you've got me covered from front to back, side to side, and all around. And right now, it may look dark. It may look difficult. But I know that there are brighter days ahead, and I'm going to stay on the pathway of the righteous. I'm not going to walk in the path of the unrighteous. I'm going to keep my mind connected to you, God. I'm going to walk in the mind of Christ. You can do this promises await a grateful heart let's pray father thank you thank you thank you just thank you for everything god i don't know why difficulty comes our way i know that sometimes we create it and sometimes it may be created by other people or circumstances god it's really not important as to why but what what do we do now God, the, the whys will be answered when you want them to be answered. And I'm okay waiting. But, Lord, I need to know what. That's our prayer today, God. What? Okay, we're going to give thanks, God. We're going to start right there. We're going to have an attitude of gratitude. Lord, help us to identify all the wonderful things in our lives today. Because every one of us have something to be thankful for. Probably more than something. We have some things. So help us walk in those things, God. Help us to see those things, to write those things down, to speak those things. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. We don't want anyone to not have an opportunity to receive Christ. This week, somebody texted that had watched one of our recorded messages, gave their life to Jesus, watching a recorded message. And so it's very important that we support that by praying out loud together that no one has to pray alone. No one has to feel like the whole world is hearing him. So I want to ask all of you to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I, today I give my life to you. I repent of all my sin. And I thank you, Jesus. I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Number on the screen. Please text that number and put SAVED in your name. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.